I was by myself in a corridor which led to the hotel atrium, with my four-month-old granddaughter soundly asleep in my arms. I was gently rocking her in my arms, and just loving the peaceful look of rest on her face. Gwyneth never fails to bring a smile to my face especially when she looks at me, and her lips curl into a smile. No matter how faint the smile is, she lifts up my soul because I know she's smiling at me. There's just nothing quite like a baby smiling at you. That in itself is a sermon at how God is pleased with his children in Christ who looks up to him in simple gratitude, in praise and in worship. Today, as usual, the atrium was abuzz with people engaged in conversation with each other, enjoying each other's company, seemingly oblivious of the presence of other people around them. In that space were people of different skin colors, build, vitality, status and mental states. It was a beautiful sight, and it came to me as a precursor, albeit microcosm of what believers will see in heaven, a sight described in Revelation as a throng of multitude of peoples from every tribe, and language and tongue, Revelation 5-9. It felt like just being at home in God's house. You can just imagine the conversations we will be having with each other in heaven, where nothing is hid, and our lives and experiences as transparent as the air around us. As I was quietly observing them, my eyes stayed on a slightly plump young woman whom I did not know. She was perhaps in her mid or late thirties, and one could discern she was obviously enjoying a pleasant conversation with her friend, from the smile while she talked, accompanied by her animated hand gestures and body language. As I watched this stranger and the other people in the room, the Lord spoke to my heart on what I was looking at. He said that in that room were his people who had varying degrees of knowledge of God, different stages of maturity, and of different levels of understanding of scripture. Therefore, with these differing grades comes varying levels of obedience and, hence, fruitfulness. I remembered that saints are portrayed in the Bible as trees. If this was the case, then, what was there for before me, was the similitude of an orchard of various plants and trees in different health conditions, various stages of development and fruitfulness. There were trees with wide trunks, tall, and their leaves were thick and gave a cool shade to strangers who passed by underneath them. They had roots that sunk deep into the earth to support their size and weight. These were the saints who had weathered many storms but instead grew strong rather than weak, and continued to draw nourishment from the earth, and energy from the sun. They became excellent perches and even homes for birds because the tree was tall and unreachable by four-footed predators. Their wide trunks made them less likely to be shaken by the wind, and the thick leaves hide the nests very well, providing protection to all who sought refuge in them. As I continued looked around the other people in the room and noticed their physical stature, I continued to understand that there were other trees with trunks one could wrap his arms around. Others were slender and tall. All had leaves, and there were trees that were of the same size and age, yet one had more leaves than the other. There were also trees that had wide trunks, thick foliage, had fruits, but were lacking in height. These were the trees who were less noticed than the tall and majestic ones. Those tall trees kissed the sky, while the short trees were often disturbed by passing animals and people, even children would not be afraid to climb them and play among its branches. Such trees, standing among the tall ones, would not be noticed, unless one were hungry. Then I understood it all. In God's garden are various kinds of plants and trees, bushes and herbaceous plants. Some are for food, others for healing and therapy, and many others serve different purposes. Some trees just grow up to become monuments such as the acacia, or the giant sequoia, some become useful when they're turned into furniture or durable parts of houses and buildings such as the nara or the yakal. Others are among those which are either edible vegetables or bare nutrient-giving fruits, those that are the easiest to pick, i.e., within reach, or having low-hanging fruits, such as the mango, apple, orange, etc. There are the vegetable bushes and herbaceous plants where one has to stoop or even kneel to gather their fruit. 
These plants are the ones that are accessible and readily feeding or blessing God's people with life-giving, spiritual nutrients. This led me ask myself this question, what type of plant or tree am I? Am I a fruit-bearing tree? Am I so tall that my fruit is beyond reach and only for visual appreciation? Or am I a bearing low-hanging fruit, whose fruit is always there for the picking by anyone who's spiritually hungry? Do people have to stoop down or kneel so they can be blessed? Or, will find my usefulness only after leave this earthly vessel, and become durable wood in a house, or a furniture in a house? The sovereignty of God has to do with who we are and what finally become. But whatever we are and are becoming, in God's orchard, let us allow God to have His way in our lives, and whether we are an acacia which has to be cut down to be useful, or a mango tree that bears delicious and nutritious fruit that's not difficult to reach, let us fulfill our role, and honor Christ with our daily submission to His purpose. It is only by doing so that we fit into His church, the body of Christ, the universal body of believers, and honor Him as our way of giving Him reasonable service, our worship. Truly, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that wins souls is wise. Were you blessed by this issue? If so, think of someone who might be blessed by it, too, and share it with them. Until the next issue, God bless you.